Broadcasting on the Drug Truth Network, this is Cultural Baggage. It's not only inhumane, it is really fundamentally un-American. My name is Dean Becker. I don't condone or encourage the use of any drugs, legal or illegal. I report the unvarnished truth about the pharmaceutical, banking, prison, and judicial nightmare that feeds on eternal drug war. Welcome to this edition of Cultural Baggage. Today we'll hear from many of the usual suspects, like Terry Nelson gives his leap report. We'll get the Poppygate report from Mr. Glenn Greenway and the official government truth from Mr. Winston Francis. And a bit later, we'll hear from Mr. Steve Bloom, editor of High Times, talking about the forthcoming Stony Awards up in New York City. But first up, the man who's experiencing deja vu all over again, now re-indicted for 14 counts out in Oakland, California, Mr. Ed Rosenthal. Hi, this is Ed Rosenthal, and... uh... I am in an unusual situation because I have been indicted on 14 charges by the federal government. And this is because I was doing work uh, for Oakland as an officer of the city providing medical marijuana starter plans to patients. And uh, what happened was I was arrested and I had a court case and the... uh, the jury found me guilty, then they found out all the information that had been withheld from them, and four days after they found me guilty, they repudiated their guilty, but that didn't have legal standing, of course. And then, six months after that, I was sentenced, I was sentenced to one day in prison, but I had three felonies, and I felt that the, uh, this was not helping, uh, the cause of marijuana or the patients or and it was uh, de- definitely dangerous those felonies were definitely dangerous to the to the other medical facilities because it showed what the government could do and so I appealed it and the appeals court found that I was uh, that it was a mistrial because one of the jurors felt intimidated about voting the way that she wanted to. She was uh, under the impression that she could get in trouble for voting against the way the judge wanted. So they called it a mistrial, and um, they said that the government could retry me. And um, the government said that they were going to do it, and then they changed it and had superseding indictments, and there were 14 uh, 14 indictments, uh, including money laundering of over eighteen hundred dollars and um, also filing tax false tax returns which wasn't true and also other uh, uh, manufacturing which is growing marijuana providing marijuana to patients and maintaining a place where marijuana was maintained and having a conspiracy with those patients for them to grow marijuana well so and you there are fourteen had... charges altogether Ed, you've had this case uh, go up and rattle around in the Supreme Court. Um, It has been uh, an endurance, uh, a marathon for you to get through this, and here they come again with all their money and lawyers 
uh, trying to put charges together. Uh, the, the money laundering, $1,800 uh, that may have come from sales of these plants. And, and yet the fact is, if you report it, then you're, you're, in essence, putting your head in the chopping block. Is that right? Well, uh, it was a very unusual situation because uh, it, it wasn't as if I'm accused uh, of in any way of profiting from this. I'm just accused of money laundering. It's a little different. Well, it's I'm sure. accused of filing false tax returns, but nowhere do they say that you know that I owe them money. Right, and it's it's just, uh, it's just a it's it's really weird. But look, you know, no matter what the charges are, what this is is a vindictive prosecution, and it's a government trying to stop. Uh, mar- stop marijuana from uh, patients from getting marijuana, and that's what it's about. And also shutting me up. Well, and scaring the past- people. That's what. It's, those are all the things that it's about. They would serve a lot of purposes for the government if people were uh, intimidated from uh, from obtaining marijuana as medicine, or from you know that's that's what the government wants to do. They want to shut down both people providing marijuana and for the patients getting it. And for those who may not be aware, we are talking with Mr. Ed Rosenthal. Some call him the guru of ganja, man who's written numerous books and articles and who has worked steadfastly to present the truth about marijuana, medical marijuana in particular, and uh, who has been singled out because of his stance taken for his uh, outspokenness and who has, again, been indicted by the federal government over these uh, nebulous charges. Uh, Ed, tell us uh, your summation. Uh, there's raids ongoing in California. They continue their effort to shut down this movement. Uh, summarize it for us, please. Well, um, what's happening is that there are facilities opening up all over the state. There are 200 facilities in Southern California now. They're in all over northern California. They're opening in rural counties. And meanwhile, the federal government is going in and selectively choosing one club or another and uh, shutting shutting them down. And they did one in San Francisco. They've done one recently in uh, uh, in, uh, Los, in Los Angeles. They, they did a couple, and they've done some in rural counties. And in San Diego, in August and September, they closed all of the uh, medical facilities, over 30 of them. And now they only have delivery services there. I, I saw a, an article this morning indicated, I think the gentleman in Modesto uh, was to be, re- to be released on a $1 million bond for, yes. for having a compassion club. That's right. Uh, the, actually, this was one of the fellows from San Francisco also, Sparky Rose, who ran New Remedies is out on a one million dollar bond, and um, it's it's uh, it's really an outrage that uh, people who are not criminals are being treated that way, and uh, myself included. In, indeed, it is. Now, Ed, um, you have, as I say, worked steadfastly to expose this truth. You you have been upfront. You have been open and honest. Uh, with a great outreach to to your millions of fans who who have read your books and your articles, what would you say to the f- folks out there who are aware of this injustice? What what can they do? Well, I really need everybody's help. 
first of all, letters to the editor, uh, calling Congress people about uh, uh, changing their vote. You know, one of the things, uh, this is a little aside, but politicians are so afraid of endorsing medical marijuana. But the truth is that medical marijuana is more popular than any politician ever was. I mean, just look in Montana. You know, Montana is a red state. Bush won by a wide margin in 2004. But medical marijuana won by a wider margin than Bush did. That means that the, some of the very people who voted for Bush were voting for medical marijuana. And I don't see, you know, I don't see why the Democrats don't just come out and endorse, endorse medical marijuana and, you know, change these laws. So, um, but what people can do is to start badgering their politicians on a local level, on a state level, on a federal level, write letters, go visit them, complain to them. And remember, don't ever vote for anybody who wants to put you in jail, even if it's just for a little time. Exactly, my friend. If somebody says they're opposed to medical marijuana, they want to put you, they could be the nicest person, they could be right on all the other issues. They don't deserve your vote because they want to put you in jail. Well, Ed, uh... and, but the other thing that people can do, which is really important, is you know the last my, all of my savings went with the last one with the last trial. So uh, they, people can make tax deductible contributions to Green uh, Green Aid dot com. Now, Ed, I I think you're well aware that it's. Uh nigh unto impossible to get uh, any agent of the DEA or uh, the Justice Department to defend their policy in an open public debate. And in order to give you a chance to kind of respond to uh, some recent pronouncements by the drug czar up in Denver, he's up there uh, battling against the uh, the uh, resolution that would allow uh, for one ounce of marijuana for adults to make a safer choice from uh, alcohol or whatever. And if you'll give me a second here, I want to let you hear just a, a minute's clip. I smoked weed and nobody died. I didn't get into a car accident. I didn't OD on heroin the next day. Nothing happened. You might think the commercial is pro-pot, but it's not. It's actually anti-drug produced by the government to suggest marijuana smokers are slackers and losers. We sat on Pete's couch for 11 hours. Now what's going to happen on Pete's couch? Nothing. Safer, the group promoting Amendment 44, says the commercial actually helps their cause, especially the teen actor's sarcastic line that marijuana is the safest thing in the world. Safest thing in the world. It is the safest thing in the world. And that is a quote. It is not mine. It is the drug czar's via his advertisements. Safer now has the quote on a billboard. And the drug czar speaking in Denver today says it is misleading and dishonest. I never said that. What I said to you today is what I tried to say what we tried to say to fill that blind spot. Marijuana is the single biggest cause of substance abuse problem among illegal drugs in the United States today. The ads that they were running telling people how dangerous marijuana was were not having any effect. And now the drug czar has resorted to simply acknowledging it's a relatively benign substance, but you're a loser if you use that drug. So, both sides now see the new TV ad as ammunition for their side. As for the new billboard, the drug czar says it's simply a lie. This is ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, except it's not funny. It's harmful because it sends the wrong message. Okay, Ed, that comes to us from uh, CBS in Denver. Uh, what's your response to it? Uh, the drug czar 
has no right to be involved at all in a um, in an election, and the federal government trying to influence a state policy in an election is illegal. He should be arrested by the uh, the attorney general of the state. I, I would agree with you, sir. And, and again, how about some of the content? And finally, made a uh, an honest uh, an honest statement. Uh, marijuana is the safest drug. If you look at the Drug Awareness Warning Network statistics, which the government puts out, there are no deaths caused by marijuana. And there are plenty of deaths caused by the marijuana laws and also a lot of hardship caused by them. As far as the drugs are saying that 75% of the um, of the substance abuse problems are caused by uh, marijuana, you know, or it being a gateway drug or anything, well, that's been refuted time and time again. The two major gateway drugs are alcohol and tobacco, and those drugs themselves are two of the most dangerous drugs. Those are the drugs that we should be keeping kids away from. And I've, you know, uh, I've gone to state colleges around the country with talks, and what I've noticed is that all there's a sort of a moat or, or a siege around these state colleges at whatever legal line is, and they're just surrounded by bars. There's this terrific problem of binge drinking and alcoholism in the colleges that kids learn in the colleges and this this is far more serious and far more dangerous than marijuana wasting uh, drug abuse money and uh, harm reduction money on uh, going after marijuana it's it, it's uh, it's stupidity it's criminal stupidity the other thing I have to say about it is you know they call the war against drugs you know a drug war and it's the longest war that the United States has ever fought. It's been going on since 1937, or some say even earlier, since the early 20th century. And it's the most unsuccessful war it's fought. And as in all wars, there are war criminals, and some of the people who are in office today, and who are some of the people who are enforcing these laws, and some of the judges who are making laws about these judges are war criminals. And at some point, who knows how policy can change? And they, these people may put, be put up for trial for their their work in on um, in this war because they have caused uh, so much harm to people all over the United States. There, last year, there were over 750,000 people arrested for marijuana, and each arrest affects not only the individual but all the people around them. And so uh, this is affecting a significant portion of American society each year, and it goes on from year to year. So what I think is that um, the next time this uh, drug warrior opens his mouth, the Attorney General of Colorado sure should arrest him for breaking Colorado law. Ed, we, we very much appreciate your time. Uh, our thoughts are with you. Thank uh, you. Once again, give us that website. It's green aid com, the Medical Marijuana Legal Defense and Education Fund. Any closing thoughts you'd like to relay? Uh, no, I just uh, I hope uh, uh, people um, uh, realize the seriousness of this and um, do what they can to uh, help change these laws. You know, it was almost a year ago that I went out to California to participate in the wonders of cannabis at the invitation of Mr. Ed Rosenthal. 
and they're going to do it again this year on uh, October 28th and October 29th in San Francisco's beautiful Golden Gate Park. You can learn more about that event online at www.wondersofcannabis.com. I also want to tell you fans out there about Ed, that he's not cowed, bowed, bent, or broken. He's standing tall, and he's going to see this through to the end. Terry Nelson spent 32 years working for the U.S. government as a customs border and air interdiction officer. He retired last year as a GS-14, the equivalent of a bird colonel. This is Terry Nelson speaking on behalf of LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. LEAP does not condone nor encourage drug use, but we do know that the three-decade-plus war on prohibition is a total policy failure and that it is doing much more harm than good. The mission of LEAP is to reduce the multitude of unintended harmful consequences resulting from the fighting of the war on drugs and to lessen the incident of death, disease, crime, and addiction by ultimately ending drug prohibition. I'm reasonably sure that many of you have heard of the brutal murders along the turnpike in Florida. A family of four, including two young children, was gunned down like animals. The fact that the family had recently moved to the area from Brownsville, Texas, leads many to assume that the killings were drug-related. This is a sign of the times. The drug problem and its associated violence and the unintended consequences cause people to make assumptions because of where you are from. No matter what the investigation reveals about the murders, I am positive that the two young children had absolutely no part in drug dealing. If the murders turn out to be drug-related, the deaths of the children, age 3 and 4, are another glaring example of the unintended consequences of the failed public policy of the drug war. ABC News recently reported that the number of deaths attributed to the drug dealing in Mexico exceeded 3,000 for last year. That is more than were killed in the Twin Towers attack and more soldiers than have been killed in the Iraq war. America has to wake up and fix this broken policy. I recently attended a Latino police officers conference and 70% of the officers that visited the elite booth agreed that legalization was the answer. 16% were undecided and only 9% disagreed completely. The remainder had no opinion. 15 years ago, at the Hoover Institute, conference of police officers from 50 agencies in May of 1995, many of them police chiefs. A whopping 90% voted no confidence in the war on drugs, and they unanimously recommended a blue ribbon panel to explore alternative methods. Instead, our elected officials did nothing and continued to fail policy. Lee believes that the only way we can break the chain of violence is total legalization, regulation of production, and control of the distribution of these substances. Legalization will remove the criminal element and make it more difficult for kids to have access to drugs. You can get over an addiction, but you will never overcome a conviction. We will never arrest our way out of the drug war. However, we can treat our drug problem with education and medical treatment instead of incarceration. It is up to us citizens to ask tough questions of our elected officials and listen carefully to their answers. It's time for a change. Let's work together for a better future for ourselves and our children. This is Terry Nelson at www.leap.cc, signing off. Poppygate, bizarre news about the U.S. policy on controlling heroin, featuring Glenn Greenway. We begin this week by noting that opium production dropped 30% last year in Southeast Asia's Golden Triangle, a region encompassing Laos, Myanmar, and Thailand. 
The UN drug czar, Antonio Maria Costa, says that if this trend continues, Afghanistan is destined to become the world's only source of the illegal narcotic. Indeed, since the U.S.-led invasion in 2001 and during the subsequent occupation, annual Afghan opium production has increased from 200 to nearly 7,000 tons, up 60% this year over last and soaring past all previous records. The U.N. estimates that Afghanistan now produces enough opium to oversupply global black market heroin demand by 30%. This week, representatives of the respected international think tank, the Senlis Council, were expelled from Afghanistan for encouraging the legalization of the country's narcotics trade and diverting the enormous bounty to legal painkiller markets. Also this week, President George W. Bush confirmed to conservative commentator Bill O'Reilly that the Taliban are being financed by heroin trafficking. The president rejected Mr. O'Reilly's calls to destroy the fields and instead called for patience. The commentator seemed surprisingly dubious, saying, quote, you know, it's year after year and we don't see a lot of results, end quote. What an understatement. This week, a spokesman for the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime said that Afghanistan's illegal narcotics industry is, quote, pretty much out of control, end quote. This is Glenn Greenway reporting for the Drug Truth Network. A quick reminder, we offer $1,200 cash money to any drug warrior willing to come on our show and spend 15 minutes clarifying the need for drug war. After years of putting forward this offer, we have yet to receive any takers. And so we produce the following segment on their behalf, because they are such cowards. Here's a news flash. The undermanned, underfunded, ill-equipped drug legalization movement will never end the drug war. Despite their efforts, the scope of the drug war continues to expand, from illicit street drugs to prescription pain medication to tobacco and alcohol. For decades, high-ranking DEA officials have said publicly that they wish to criminalize the use of tobacco and alcohol. And now, if you're paying attention, you'll see it beginning to happen. Not just across the country, but across the globe. Governments everywhere are placing restrictions on smoking, first in restaurants, then in bars, then in all public buildings. Come on, you know the drill. The goal, of course, is to ban smoking completely and save the lives of the countless millions who would clearly be better off without their freedom to decide whether or not to smoke. It's good. The government knows what's best. Drug legalization advocates are losing the fight. The drug war just grows and grows. This has been Winston Francis with the official Government Truth. I'm Steve Bloom. I'm the editor-at-large of High Times Magazine, and I am the executive producer of the High Times Stony Awards. Well, you guys have been involved in this, uh, this look at the drug war, in particular in regards to marijuana, for decades now. Uh, for those who may not know too much about it, uh, tell us about your uh, affiliation with Normal and how you guys uh, have tried to expose the truth over the years? Well, High Times and Normal have been associated uh, from the beginning of uh, Normal's, uh, uh, when Normal started in 1970. Uh, High Times started in 1974, and the founder of High Times, Tom Forsad, was very close with Keith Strop, who founded Normal. So they worked together uh, 
Tom was a marijuana smuggler, and he had a lot of extra cash, and he used to lay a lot of money on normal. Uh, you know, high times of normal go back to, you know, to the early 70s when this uh, movement for legalizing marijuana began. You, you've dared to speak the truth, and uh, uh, one of the ways you get the word out is, is through various events. And uh, you did mention the Stony Awards. That's coming up here soon. Tell us about it. Right. The Stony Awards is the High Times movie and television awards show. It's taking place on October 24th in New York City at B.B. King's, uh, the uh, music club. Uh, it'll be our sixth year that we've been doing the Stonies, and it's a unique award show, a little bit different than uh, most award shows. Probably, if anything, closest to an MTV-style award show, not so much like an Oscars. Uh, it's alternative, so to speak, and it's localized to New York, so it's not a Hollywood-based show. But basically, we focus on uh, the year in marijuana in the movies and television, uh, drug-related subjects and other left-leaning themes uh, that interest us, that fit the counterculture um, idea of what High Times is about. So um, this year, for instance, Weeds on the television side has uh, received eight nominations. Uh, on, the, uh, on the movie side of the awards, A Scanner Darkly, Grandma's Boy, Stoned Haven, uh, and other movies, uh, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, those are among the movies that have been nominated this year. And uh, it, it, it strikes me as odd that uh, we have this supposed counterculture, the ones who want peace, liberty, and freedom, and, and somehow they're defined as counterculture. Well, I do think there remains a counterculture. You know, it's not the same as it was in the 60s with the Woodstock era. You know, um, things have changed a little bit since then. Uh, quite a bit since then, but people's desire to smoke marijuana certainly hasn't changed. And in fact, it's increased. Uh, there's more and more people who have experienced it over all these years and have realized that marijuana is not harmful, that it is in some cases good for you and it should be legal and people shouldn't be, uh, uh, it shouldn't be criminalized and people shouldn't be threatened with jail and other types of uh, things that happen in your life. Uh, in the legal system, uh, drug testing, and all these other things that come with uh, a marijuana arrest. Uh, so I think it's you know it's continued that people want to see these laws changed and are working hard towards that. Um, so I, I think there's a you know there hasn't been a real shift away from that. I think that continues and therefore that is counterculture to the society as it is today, where the laws exist that prohibit marijuana. Now, in two states, uh, in, uh, in, in a few weeks, uh, in November, Election Day, there will be votes in Nevada and uh, Colorado to determine whether marijuana should be legalized in those states. Those will be breakthroughs if either of those states vote in favor. It will obviously be the first state in the U.S. to legalize marijuana, one of those two. Uh, that would be enormous, and you'd see a lot of publicity around that if that occurs. Uh, last year, the same organization that's running the initiative in Colorado, SAFER, uh, were able to pass a, an initiative that legalized marijuana in Denver proper. Now they're trying to do the same thing in the state. And the uh, Marijuana Policy Project is running an initiative in Nevada, which would tax and regulate marijuana. This is something that they've been proposing for a few years. So we'll see what happens. And in addition to all of that, there's been the medicalization of marijuana in 12 states uh, across the country. So there's been a lot of change and uh, progress in the last few years. Now, insofar as the uh, Stony Awards, it gives us an opportunity to uh, celebrate uh, some of the progress, as you say, being made in uh, uh, TV and uh, movies. And uh, give us your website so folks could learn more about the Stony Awards. Well, you go to hightimes.com, and there is a link to the Stony Awards, one of the first things you'll see on the page in the Features section. So I'd recommend going there. That'll give you the background on the uh, latest uh, news out about the Stonies, uh, also how to buy tickets if you 
uh, are so inclined, happen to be in the New York area on October 24th. Uh, and also you can vote uh, in seven categories, so you can join us in determining who will be the winners, uh, at least in seven out of the 21 categories. Steve, I, once again, I want to thank you guys for all the work, uh, great work you've done over the years. And you're doing a great job too, Dean. Thank you very much. Okay, just enough time for a couple of quick program notes. I want to thank our newest affiliate out of Oskaloosa, Iowa. They're in the heartland of America, KIGC, affiliate number 65. And if you're in Stafford, Texas this weekend, please come out to the Unitarian Church. I'll be giving the sermon. And as always, I remind you, because of drug prohibition, you don't know what's in that bag. Please be careful. To the Drug Truth Network listeners around the world, on behalf of engineer Philip Guffey, this is Dean Becker for Cultural Baggage and the Unvarnished Truth. The show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Jap dancing on the edge of the cannabis. <laughs>